This is the Oceans Church Podcast, where we believe in connecting people to Jesus, the one who changes it all. To learn more about Oceans, view upcoming events, or find info about ways to give, please visit oceanschurch.org. Thanks for visiting the podcast. Enjoy today's message. Hey, good morning, everybody. You guys well? All right. Hope you guys had a great week. Um, hey, let's give this worship team a hand. Didn't they sound awesome this morning? They sound really good. Um, Jamie and I, first of all, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Oceans. And um, what a blessing it is to have you worship with us today on this Really hot, muggy Sunday morning. Thank you for showing up to church today. I just turned the ACs down. I noticed it was getting a little stuffy in here, so thanks for being here with us. Um, this past week, Jamie and I were in Colorado Springs at a missions summit. Uh, it was a, an opportunity for us to become a strategic partner with an organization called Africa's Hope. And the whole premise of this mission is to educate um, Africans, uh, that, that feel called to ministry, want to pursue a degree in ministry, uh, all the way up to a doctoral level. And then uh, after their education and their credentialing, they get sent out to plant uh, a healthy gospel-centered church throughout the continent of Africa. And so we're going to be partnering with them as one of their strategic partners. We're really excited to be doing this because it's speeding the light of the gospel through a, 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 um, a continent that is riddled with what I call the American prosperity gospel that is really toxic and um, it's really a false gospel. And so really excited to be partnering with them um, uh, and you, you guys will be hearing more uh, about that coming up. But this morning, um, I want to share a little bit of uh, a secret with you. So growing up in Long Island, New York, I had a pretty bad learning disability. And uh, this learning disability was something that I was really embarrassed about. Uh, it was something that like, uh, I couldn't seem to get a breakthrough on. I didn't like telling people about it. And my, my disability was, uh, and still is today, dyslexia. And so dyslexia, sometimes I would read uh, a sentence and the letters would become jumbled and it was very hard to, to read, uh, especially as a kid. I'd get through an entire paragraph and at the end of the paragraph, I wouldn't remember anything that I just read. How many have been there, Right. But I had this thing and I was really embarrassed about it and I didn't want to tell anybody about it. And so in school as a kid in Long Island, New York, I, the, the teacher would call on you and as soon as the teacher would call on you, like you would I, would, I just remember just shrinking back in my chair and like hiding behind like a student that was in front of me because I didn't want the teacher to call me up in front of the class to read something out of the textbook because I was going to sound like Rocky Balboa reading, you know? And nevertheless, you know, time and time again, that happened, and I, I was embarrassed, and, uh, and it was just something that, like, I, it just made me feel real s stupid, until I found out that dyslexia is like a superpower, and that people with dyslexia have, like, creativity off the charts. And so, I've learned to appreciate my dyslexia, and, but sometimes it gets me in trouble. Um, this morning, we're going to be looking 
at a story um, of somebody that was concealing a weakness that they had. And maybe for you, maybe you've had your own disability that you've struggled with, maybe something that you've had to carry through life, maybe even a, a, the pain of a trauma that, that has handicapped you uh, in such a way that like you're a, you try to conceal it and you try hiding it because if you shared it with people, you'd be afraid that you'd be rejected or not welcome in a certain circle. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a story of a man who is hiding a secret, a secret that would eventually ruin him if exposed. And it's the story of Naaman the leper that's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. Last week, we looked at 2 Kings chapter 6. This week, we're going back a chapter. And in chapter 6, we read the story of Elisha the prophet who prayed over his servant boy after an enemy army came to, to kill them. And as he prayed over the servant boy, the eyes of the ser servant were open and he saw an angelic army surrounding them with chariots of fire, I mean, Cool story, right? And then uh, Elisha prayed that God would strike them with blindness, and they were instantly blinded. Uh, what a great, powerful story. Um, this morning, we're going to be looking at Naaman, who was from the same region, the region of Aram, which is today known as Syria. So Elisha is in this story as well. Elisha was a student of the older prophet named Elijah. Elijah was a, a man of God that was called of the Lord that would foresee things uh, through the Spirit of God. Uh, he would be given messages from the Lord. Um, he had insight and discernment that the normal person wouldn't have, and he was training Elijah to be raised up as a prophet as well. And then Elijah, uh, Scripture tells us, went up into heaven on a, a chariot of fire, like Really, like, what a way to go out, right? You know? And, um, but Elisha prayed for a double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah's life, and God granted it to him. And so Elijah begins moving in this prophetic calling on his life. And so we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, which is now Syria again. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, check this out, the Lord had given victory to Aram. So God's hand was on this man named Naaman. He was a valiant soldier, but here's the, here's the key. He had leprosy. He had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, So they kidnapped this young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, this is after Naaman comes home and he takes off his armor and it's exposed that he has leprosy. He's battling with this secret thing that he's trying to conceal. He said to his mis her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. So now Naaman is the commander of the entire army of Syria. 
And he goes to the king of Aram and he tells him, if I go to this prophet in Israel, this prophet can heal me. And so it says this, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, which is 750 pounds of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, which is 150 pounds of gold. That's a lot of gold, right? A lot of silver. Like silver is like $20 an ounce. Gold is like $2,000 an ounce right now. Like that's 150 pounds, right? It's a lot. And 10 sets of clothing. So essentially what Naaman is going to do and what the king of Aram uh, proposed is that, hey, go to this prophet in Israel and pay for a miracle. Purchase a miracle from this prophet. The letter was a request to the king of Israel to heal Naaman from his leprosy. And as soon as the king opens up this letter and reads it, scripture tells us that he tore his robe and he screamed, am I God? Am I God? How can I heal this leper? He's thinking that this is a trap. He's thinking that Naaman has come to pick a fight and now the king of Israel is angered. So when Elijah heard that the king tore his robe, because he's a prophet, he sent him this message, why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So, so Naaman and the king of Israel want to purchase this miracle from Elijah the prophet. They, they think that uh, he's like the first tele-evangelist, right? Like, hey, just for a seed of $1,000, like you can have your miracle, right? Just reach out and touch the screen after sowing your seed and God will bless you and you will be blessed upon all blessings and you can have the Cadillac of your choice and, you know, all that. That's what I'm talking about, the American gospel, right? So he tries to purchase this miracle from God. Tries to purchase this miracle from God. And so Naaman takes his horses and his chariots to the doorstep of the prophet Elisha and goes, knock, 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 knocks on his door. Elisha is a prophet, knows that it's Naaman. And so it says in verse 10, Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Now, if you know anything about the Jordan River, it's filthy. Like it looks like a giant mud puddle that's running. It is not a pretty river. It is not like the Emerald Coast here. Like if you stand in it, you're not gonna see your toes, let alone like two inches down from your waist, right? It's filthy. And he tells this, this servant, go tell the man to go dip in the Jordan seven times and he'll be cleansed. So, so Naaman, Naaman is, is angry because Naaman is a commander and he's used to being treated with respect, right? He's used to, to like when, 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 when he shows up, people pay attention to him. He's used to having his way. He's used to getting what he wants. And so Elijah didn't even come to the door and he feels disrespected. He sends a servant to relay the message. This is like every dad like sending his kid to get the remote control, right? 
Like, he, he, go grab the remote, son, right? Gra- grab me a drink out of the fridge, right? Uh, Naaman felt disrespected. He felt disrespected. His pride couldn't handle it in this moment. He was used to being held in regard. And so what does he do? He then says, verse 11, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. So, so Naaman has this preconceived idea of how the prophet should call on God and God to heal him. He's like, hey, hey, Elijah, why don't you just wave your little magic wand over my leprosy and, and then it will be cleansed. But no, he had this preconceived idea and, and yet God, God didn't answer that preconceived idea. And sometimes God will do things in a way uh, that, that will throw us off and, and to, just to find out if we're humble enough to receive it, the instruction. Right, So he had this preconceived idea of how God should heal him. He said, I thought that he should wave the hand over the spot and cure me. Instead, he tells me to go dip seven times in this dirty, cloudy river. He says to himself in this moment, aren't the rivers of Damascus better than anything in Israel? Is it, like, aren't they cleaner? Aren't they more pristine? And so he walks away angry and filled with pride. Has God ever told you to do something that offended you in your life? Maybe forgive somebody that you were holding bitterness towards. Maybe he told, maybe he instructed you to, um, I don't know, whatever it is, but you were offended by God. And you're like, God, me? What are you talking about? Naaman felt disrespected here. And he says to himself, aren't the rivers of Damascus cleaner than anything in Israel? Has God ever told you to do something that offended you? Like, God, God, what? Forgive who? Don't you know what they did to me, God? Don't you know how they took advantage of me? God, don't you know that they're in the wrong and yet you want me to humble myself and forgive them? Wait, wait, God, not only do you want me to forgive them, but you want me to bless them? You want me to bless my enemies? God, I- I'm offended. I'll bless them, all right, right? But, but Naaman is about to miss his miracle in this moment. God tells him through the prophet to go and dip seven times in this dirty river, and he's about to miss his miracle because of his pride until this small, insignificant voice of a servant girl said to him, In verse 13, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? And and so now God is speaking to Naaman through this unlikely source of this little servant girl. And, And at that moment, he's willing to regulate his emotions in that moment and humble himself and be reasoned with through the voice of a little servant girl. Verse 14 tells us, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And I could just picture this moment. He's reluctant to go down to this dirty river. This is really humiliating for him. And I could just see him maybe in his armor, like stepping into that like dirty, muddy river, like his... You know, like just about losing his flip flops, right? His chanclas, right? And he's stepping in there and he gets waist deep 
and, and he's there and, and, and he's really reluctant and all of a sudden he's like, I just feel like a fool right now. One. Nothing happened. Two. I hope that she's not making a fool of me right now. Three. This feels so ridiculous. I can't believe he's asking me to do this. I'm not, I'm not seeing nothing's happening right now. Four. This isn't working. Five. Six. Nothing happening. I'm going to give it one more try. Seven. And he dips a seventh time and he comes out of the water and it says this and suddenly something happened and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. This warrior soldier that you knew that, man, he had some battle scars. You knew that his skin must have been weathered. He gets out of that water, and his skin is like a brand new boy. Like, talk about an extreme makeover, right? Ladies, that's better than any acid peel that you can get for your face or any kind of, like, uh, moisturizer that you could put on those wrinkles. Man, this is like, hey, man, sometimes you just got to dip seven times in a dirty river, right? That's like a real mud bath right there, right? But, but his flesh was restored to that of a young boy. And not only was the leprosy cleansed, but all the scarring that was, uh, had caused, um, that was caused from that leprosy was restored to his skin till his skin looked like that of a new boy. Such a great story, isn't it? Such a great story of a man who was out of options, a man that his authority, his experience, his wisdom, his wealth couldn't fix the problem that he was concealing. And even though it was hard, he humbled himself to get the help that he so desperately needed. And we find that God was merciful. And we find in this story that God is a healer. It's such a great story. And then he goes back to Elijah and he says this. He has this revelation from God in this moment. He says, surely the God of Israel is the God of the entire world. He then tries to pay Elijah the 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold, but Elijah refuses it. He's like, you can't buy this thing. And so he pleads with Elijah, please take it. And he says, no. And then he says, will you at least let me take several wheelbarrows full of the soil of Israel back to my homeland and let me spread it on my land as a reminder that the one true living God lives in Israel and I'm going to make sacrifices and I'm going to serve this one true living God as I stand upon this holy soil. And so Elijah permits the, the taking of that soil back to Aram. And as he's on his way back to Aram, which is now Syria, there's a servant of Elijah that Elijah was training named Gehazi. Now Gehazi had this little thing of deception. He had a problem with deception. And so he thought that it was unfair that he didn't pay for the miracle and that Elijah the prophet didn't receive the money. So he comes up with a plan. I'm going to chase him down the road and I'm going to get some money from him. And he chases him down the road. And as he's calling Naaman's name, Naaman stops and he gets off of his horse. And he's like, what can I do for you? And he's like, uh, 
there's some servants that need some silver back there. And he's like, well, you know, take some silver. As a matter of, you know, he's, as a matter of fact, take double what you think. And so he takes the silver and he goes and he secures it and he enters the house of Elijah and Elijah's standing there. Elijah's a prophet. You can't hide this from him. And he looks at Gehazi and he says, where were you? And he said, oh, you know, I was just, I was just, I just, I wasn't doing anything. And he said, wasn't my spirit with you when you called the man off of his horse and you took a payment for that miracle? And he says, because of your deception, the leprosy that was on Naaman is now upon you and will be upon your children. Talk about a curse that was like spread multi-generational. I want to share with you six things that we can learn from this story and we could apply to our own life. Number one, you can only conceal your brokenness for so long before it becomes known to others. You can only hide that thing that you've been walking around carrying with you for so long, trying to conceal before it affects every aspect of your life, every relationship in your life, your influence, your, your platform, your position. And it seems like the more influence that you gain and the bigger your platform grows, the greater the risk of being exposed. Not only that, but the greater the shock to your sphere of influence around you. Naaman had this nasty little secret. He was a leper and he was trying to conceal a sickness that, that couldn't be cured by his own wisdom or wealth or influence. And Naaman knew that it was only a matter of time before the world knew that he was a leper. And the sickness that he was concealing was growing rapidly and, and I would imagine uh, out of control until he wasn't able to hide it anymore. And I can only imagine carrying that secret around with you and the mental anguish that would come from that and the, the tormenting thoughts saying to himself, if, if anybody finds out what I'm hiding, I'll be finished. I'll be an outcast because that's what they did with lepers. They were social outcasts. They were banished from the land. They were cutting, cut off from every living relationship. They were rejected, thinking that he's gonna be stripped of his position, of his of his influence, of his upstanding reputation in society. If anyone finds out the inner demons that I'm fighting, uh, uh, I'll lose it all. Life will be over as I know it. I'll be all alone. I'll be left to myself in my brokenness. When they find out, I'll be labeled unclean and defective. See, leprosy was highly contagious. It was like the most feared disease of the time. And it would attack the nervous system and it would attack the body in such a way that white, big white scabs and sores would begin to appear on the body. 
and uh, left untreated, the, the infection would begin to grow and would begin to take over the extremities and, and the inf- actual infection would begin to eat the extremities of the body, eating, eating away the fingers and the toes and the nose and the ears and the eyelids and the lips and all the extremities of the body. It would just begin to decay that person until it eventually led to death and there was no cure for it. And so lepers were banished from community. They were labeled unclean, untouchable. And so I think if we're honest, every single one of us in our lives, we have something that we've been carrying for maybe even all the way back to our childhood that, that, that is like a handicap in our life or something that we're embarrassed about, something that we've been struggling with, something that we've been wrestling with, trying to get free from, trying to get help, trying to get a cure, searching for a cure, looking for a cure, and we're out of options. I want to tell you today that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask, think, or imagine. And God is faithful and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is a healer. And God can bring healing and freedom in your life today, whatever you're carrying in your life. So let me ask you this, this question. What, what is your leprosy? What is that thing in your life that you've been concealing that you're ashamed of, that you're afraid to take off that that external hard armor shell and let anyone in on that secret uh, in your life out of fear that they just won't understand or maybe sharing it, uh, that information, that information will be used against you? What is that thing that, that causes you so much anxiety and fear and torment in your mind, that thing that you've been wrestling with concealing in secret? You know, for you, it might be an eating disorder. For for you, it might be a sexual sin. It might be an affair that you're currently in. You feel stuck in this thing, and you know at any moment you're going to be exposed. For you, it might be pornography. It might be self-harm. It might, maybe for you, it's it's an, an, an unforgiveness that's been eating and decaying your spirit For years and years and years, maybe for you it's binging alcohol or abusing recreational or prescription drugs. Maybe it's crooked business practices, cheating on your taxes, and you know it. At any moment in time, you're going to be exposed and you're going to be humiliated and you've been carrying these secrets and it's a burden like a yoke around you that that torments you day and night. What secret have you been hiding from your childhood that's been rotting your soul. See, you can only conceal your brokenness for so long before it becomes known to others. And God wants to heal you. God wants to restore you. God wants to make all things new, but it's gonna require you getting honest. The second thing we can learn from this story is healing requires humility. Healing requires humility. If you're going to get your healing, you're going to have to get honest. You're going to have to get vulnerable with the right people in the right sphere. You're going to have to let them know, hey, I'm struggling with this. Healing often comes in our lives when we finally admit that, hey, I need help. I can't fix this one broken area of my life by myself. I need somebody that I could share my struggles, share my, my pain, share my sin with. See, pride almost cost, pride almost cost Naaman his miracle. 
almost cost Nam and his miracle. Pride will cost you everything. It will cause you to miss the blessings that God has for your life, the miracles, the breakthrough that God has for you. James 4, 6 tells us this. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He, he could have missed his miracle. Naaman could have walked away and he could have died with leprosy, but he humbled himself before a servant girl. See, healing requires humility. The third thing that we can learn is God often speaks through unlikely sources. God often speaks through unlikely sources. God could speak through anybody. God spoke through a jackass, like in, in, in the New Testament. And God still speaks through jackasses, right? I'm living proof of that, all right? But God could speak through anybody. He could speak through you. He could speak through me. He could speak through kids. God has often spoken to me through my kids. Even, even at the, 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 the age of, of, of a toddler, where my son or my daughter has, you know, said something and it caught my ear and I was like, that sounds like God's voice speaking to me. God can speak through anyone and often God speaks through unlikely sources. The question is, is, are we humble enough to listen? Are we humble enough to receive it from an unlikely source? God will speak through a stranger on the street. I remember there was one time where this homeless person came up to me and he, he was very disheveled looking. And the, most people would just completely write this person off. But as I'm standing face to face with him, he's speaking to me. And I feel the spirit of the Lord speaking through this man, this homeless person that most people would just reject and say, you don't have anything valuable to share. And in those moments, I, I was discerning that God was actually speaking through this person. He was speaking to me through this person and I could have missed that moment with God because I, I wasn't interested in receiving it from a certain type of vessel. And sometimes God will speak to you through an unlikely vessel to see if you're humble enough to receive it, to see if you're postured in a place where you believe that God can speak through an unlikely source. God will speak to you through your kids. He'll speak to you through uh, a stranger. He'll speak to you through mentally handicapped. He'll speak to you in unexpected sources. And if you're not careful, you'll miss it. God will even speak to you through your pastor. Imagine that, right? God will speak to you through your spouse. Imagine that, right? God will speak through unlikely sources. There are many times where I could have missed God speaking because of my pride. I could have disregarded what God was telling me because of the vessel that it was being delivered in. Don't miss God's voice. Don't miss God's voice. Often, God will use an unlikely vessel. Naaman would have missed his miracle had he not listened to this little servant girl. I mean, he's a commander. He's like a general of generals, right? He's the, he's the man, right? He, he, like, this is the dude. And here, this young girl that was kidnapped like, and is a servant in his home, speaks up and says, hey, if he tells you to go dip, why won't you dip? And so it was in that moment where Naaman could have missed the miracle that God wanted to give him had he not listened to the little girl. 
God often speaks to unlikely sources. The question is, are we humble and willing to listen and obey? God often speaks to an unlikely source. The question is, are you willing to humble yourself? Number four, sometimes the healing we're seeking is found in a path we never expected. This is so true. Sometimes the healing we are seeking is found in a path we never expected. Naaman said, I thought that he would wave his hand over the leprosy and it would be cured. Instead, he wants me to go and dip seven times in a dirty river. You gotta be kidding me, God. Often we have preconceived ideas of how we think God should move in our lives and how God should bring the healing that we're looking for. God, I asked you and I prayed. This person prayed over me. I was even anointed with oil, but God, nothing happened to me. I've seen you do it for others. I believe that you can and that you will, but God, why, why not for me? But what if God wanted to heal you through a medical professional? So you can actually get the diagnosis and God can heal you and cure you and, and then it could be a testimony to the glory of God. What if the healing that you're looking for is found in a rehab? Are you willing to humble yourself and go to that rehab? What if, what if the healing that you're looking for is found in a support group or maybe a small group? What if the healing that you're looking for is is found when you stop living your life through the lens of a victim mindset and you realize that that doesn't have to be your story any longer? What if the healing God wants to do in your life is found in forgiving an enemy, the one that even caused you pain, maybe even your abuser? Listen, I, I know that that's heavy stuff. Physical abuse, verbal abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, those are horrendous things. But what if the healing that you're seeking is found in releasing forgiveness towards the person that caused you that brokenness? You know, they say that like, I, I heard this one story of, uh, of a, psychiatrists that said, listen, the people that are here in, 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 in a lot of people that are in mental, mental institutions, they don't need, they don't need me. They need a pastor. They need a priest. They need to confess. They need, they need to forgive. What, what are you holding on to that you've been concealing for so long because you feel like you have the right to hold on to it that is holding you back from receiving the the healing that you so desperately long for? What if God wants to heal you through the confession of your sin? James 5.16 tells us, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Sometimes the healing that we're looking for isn't gonna come through being anointed with oil, according to James 5.17. Sometimes it does. But sometimes it's confessing your faults, confessing your sins, confessing your struggle to somebody. See, healing's found in community. We know this, that, that, that God uses relationships and he uses community around us. He uses the church to bring healing and he wants to do that. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. What if your healing and freedom comes from bringing your darkness into the light? Maybe, maybe your healing will come again through getting anointed and prayed over or maybe it's gonna come by going to a godly therapist. 
and sitting in a counseling chamber and continuing to show up until you see that breakthrough. And that counselor helps you to reframe your story from, the, from a victim to a victor. And he helps you to reframe your, 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 your life's uh, picture um, that you have uh, to take that brokenness and actually create a beautiful mosaic out of it. God is our healer and he heals in many ways. Sometimes the healing we're seeking is found in a path that we never expected. I know for my, myself, I've, you know, I went through some serious physical and verbal abuse as a child and then I went through some, some intense spiritual abuse for years. I want to say this, that like uh, I, I was in my, my 40s before I started getting help for that and actually going to counseling and having a counselor help me rewrite the narrative of my story that I was not a victim, that God can take my brokenness and use it for his glory, that he can repurpose my pain, right? And I'm not ashamed about that. Like, you know, I, I, no joke, I had somebody leave the church this past week because they found out that I went to counseling because they said I sat in the council of the ungodly. I mean, your, your bad theology will keep you in a place of brokenness if you allow it. I know people that wouldn't go to a doctor when they, when they were sick because like, I don't believe in doctors, God will heal me. Well, you know, sometimes yes, but sometimes God will use a doctor. And I'm just saying that like, each of us are carrying something around in our lives that, that causes us pain. Things that we hide and conceal because we're afraid to really take that armor off and show people what's really going on. God doesn't want you to conceal that thing any longer. He wants you to be honest and vulnerable. Number five, the answer follows obedience. The fifth thing that we can learn is the answer that we're looking for, the breakthrough that we're looking for, the miracle follows obedience. Obedience, then the blessing. Obedience, then the miracle. Obedience, then the breakthrough. Obedience, then the healing. What is God asking of you that you've been resisting? What, what, what action step is he asking you to take that you've been resisting? Maybe it's forgiving somebody. Maybe it's going to therapy. Maybe it's getting on some medication. Maybe there's something, a chemical imbalance in your body and you've been resisting it because the church for so long shamed people for going to counseling and getting, seeking help. I wanna say that that's bad teaching. That's bad theology. God gave doctors wisdom and, and, and insight to the, to the physical body to bring healing. And so it's, sometimes it's gonna come in an unlikely manner that you weren't expecting. Sometimes it will happen instantly through a miracle, but sometimes the miracle will be through the medication. If, if that rocks your theology, I'm sorry. The answer follows obedience. What is God asking of you that you've been resisting? Maybe it's forgiving a parent, forgiving your parents. Maybe it's forgiving a pastor. Maybe it's forgiving an abuser. Maybe it's confessing a sin. Maybe it's going to rehab Maybe it's seeking out a godly therapist. What voices of reason have been speaking to you that you might be resisting because it's an unlikely source? Again, maybe it's your spouse. 
What is God requiring of you for your healing? You, you might not, listen, I wanna say this. You might not be responsible for your trauma, but you are responsible for your healing. You have to take responsibility for your healing. You're gonna have to do the hard work, the work that nobody wants to do, the, the work that is awkward, the work that is painful to get through and process through that healing. And, and so the answer follows obedience. What is God asking you? What is God requiring of you? You, you, you might take, you have, you have to take responsibility for your healing, just like Naaman had to leave Aram to go to Israel to seek out a prophet that he heard can heal. Sometimes you have to be willing to do the hard work, the things that are uncomfortable. You know, the answer in this story followed obedience. You gotta trust the process. God has a process, and you have to trust the process. And the sixth and final thing that we can learn from this story this morning is God is willing and able to give you the healing that you're looking for. Kyler, if you wanna come up. God is willing and able to give you the healing that you're looking for. This is the good news right here. The good news of this story is that God is a healer. He is the healer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the beauty of the gospel. Not only is God called Jehovah Rapha, our healer, which means our healer, uh, which means our physical healer, our emotional healer, but he's also our spiritual healer. And he'll take those dead places of your spirit and put new life inside of you. And that's, that's what happens through the transformation of the baptism, uh, being baptized in Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to put a new spirit in you. No longer do you have to be walking around with a spirit that is dead. No longer do you have to be carrying around this, this emotional trauma. No longer do you have to be concealing and hiding these things that you've been carrying around for so long and afraid to take the armor off. God invites you into a space of healing if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to listen for the voice of God that might be speaking through an unlikely source, if you're willing to throw out your preconceived ideas of how God should heal you and just make yourself available and open and say, God, I'm here. I surrender. I don't know how to fix myself. I don't know how to get through this struggle. I don't know how to break this addiction, God, but you do. And God, I pray that you would give me wisdom today and that you would open my ears to hear what your spirit is saying, because I know this, that your word says that you love me, that you sent your word to heal my disease. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever shall believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world was condemned already because it chose not to believe on the only begotten son. Listen, the enemy wants to condemn you for your sin. The enemy wants to condemn you for your sickness. He wants to shame you for that broken area of your life. But God doesn't shame you. God doesn't come to condemn you. He, he comes to liberate you. He comes to free you. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, amen? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's healing. Where the spirit of the Lord is, all things are made new. And that could be your story today if you'll just humble yourself and surrender to the Lord. Would you
you stand with me? Running a little bit late, but I just want to pray a blessing over you. And listen, if, if that's you today and you need healing in your life, if you've been carrying something that is just too heavy and you've been concealing it for, for far too long and it's tormenting you and it's robbing your peace and giving you stress, just go ahead and surrender to the Lord. We all have areas. Every single one of us have areas where we are just completely trying to conceal that thing, trying to fix it in ourselves. And you know, you've been around that mountain for far too long. It's time to just surrender to the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need healing in your life, just as a sign of surrender unto the Lord and as a sign of receiving from him, would you just, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but would you just raise your hand as a sign of surrender. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, hands going up all over this room. God, I thank you so much that you are a God that loves us and pursues us and knows us by name. You have our best interests at hand. God, you want us to be healed. You want us to prosper in our soul. God, you want us to know what it means to walk in your freedom. And Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would give my friends, your sons and daughters, Lord, that you would give them just the courage to lay those things down, to take off that armor that they've been protecting themselves with and just and just go to somebody and ask for prayer and, and share their, their, their struggles and their secrets with them. Lord, I, I pray that you would highlight the right people for them to go to, to confess or, to, or just to share a struggle with, to receive encouragement and support, Lord. God, whether it's a pastor or a friend or a parent or a, a mentor in their lives, God, I, I pray that, that you would show them, God, that they're not alone and that you have not forsaken them, Lord, and you're not ashamed of them, Lord. Whatever they're struggling with, God, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, just a handicap, whatever that thing is, God, that, that you're not ashamed of them. You're not, uh, you, you love them so much, God. It's why you sent your son. And so, God, we receive your love. We receive your grace. We receive your courage, your healing, God. God, right now, to lay those things down at your feet, God to lay down those heavy burdens, those yokes that we've been carrying, Lord God, so that we can walk in freedom. For he who the sun sets free is free indeed. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And we could pray this together as a church. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. God, you see my brokenness. I, I recognize my need for you to be my savior, to be my Lord, to be my healer. God, won't you come? Fill me with your spirit. Change me from the inside out. Let old things pass away and all things become new. According to your grace and your love and your mercy, make me a new creation. God, I surrender every struggle of the past. Everything that's given me shame. Every, every lie that's condemned me. And God, I give you this present moment. And I give you my best days, which are yet to come. Because I'm being led by a good shepherd that's leading me from today forward into a place 
where my soul will prosper in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for the Lord this morning. God, we thank you for the work of salvation. We thank you for your work of healing. God, we thank you for being for us and not against us today. Hey, if you need healing, don't leave today without receiving um, a prayer. If you need prayer, if you need somebody to agree in prayer, there's some prayer partners up front that would love to pray for you. If not, I pray that God blesses you. I pray that you would know the hope that is found in Jesus all the way through this week. I hope to see you again next Sunday, 8.30, 9.45, or 11 o'clock. You're an amazing church. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Instagram for updates, service info, and ways to get involved here at Ocean's Church. Be sure to give this episode a rating as it allows us to connect more people to Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.